Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you go for your podcasting fix. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at AM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now today I'm thrilled to be joined by Stuart Templeton. He's the Head of UK for Slack and Stuart is here to reflect and elaborate on Slack's latest future forum post study, The Great Executive Employee Disconnect, which examines how knowledge workers are faring 18 plus months into the pandemic. So Stuart, welcome to the show and thank you for coming on today. Thank you very much indeed for having me along, Max. It's a great pleasure, and uh, I'm looking forward to kind of delving into this study, because I think there's a lot of things that we can kind of unpack. But before I bombard you with questions, would you mind just letting our listeners know a little bit about yourself and what's going on at Slack at the moment? Super. Well, thank you very much indeed, Max. Uh, As you say, my name's Stuart Templeton. I'm responsible for Slack in the UK. Uh, I've been at Slack around four and a half years and joined uh, and spent the, the decade beforehand at Salesforce. And for those that stay keenly aware of the news, um, you may already appreciate that we're now part of the Salesforce family, having been acquired by them mid this year, which is exciting. It's worth probably briefly mentioning, for those that don't know, what Slack is. Um, we're a messaging app for business. We take communication out of email silos, out of e- you know, every email box is private, and instead we turn them into messages and organize them into channels. And a channel can be anything, a topic, a marketing campaign, a location, a project you're working on, whatever it might be. So we take communication, people, data and applications into channels to kind of change the way that people work and take the friction out of work. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's perfect. And it's, um, as I said, great to kind of have you on and kind of pick your brains about this, because this is a topic that obviously has been going on for the past 18 months now. And listeners of the AIM360 podcast or consumers of any of our video content or anything knows that we have been talking about the future of work, how people have been interacting and and doing things going forward. But this is kind of a different approach to, to look at of how we're seeing the executive and employer relationship kind of building. So to kick off the podcast, can you give us an overview of the study and shed light on its kind of founding statistics about these executive leaders being nearly three times more likely than non-executive employees to want to return to that office full time? Sure. It's quite a staggering statistic, isn't it? Um, First of all, what is Future Forum? It's probably worth clarifying that. It's a kind of think tank or consortium, if you like, uh, led by Slack. Um, the goal of which is to um, to learn about and and socialise those learnings about ways of working that are flexible, inclusive, connected, and those sorts of things. We've been doing the poll surveys for a while. They're they're all available, and this is the most recent one that was over ten thousand knowledge workers across UK, US, Australia, France, Germany, Japan, I think, and it identified a few things. And let's dwell first of all on your question, Max. I mean, well, well maybe let's go back in time a little bit. I think the context of these pulse surveys is we all went remote, didn't we, suddenly um, uh, in Q1 of last year. And I think we should all, and probably have done, uh, we should all give ourselves a pat on the back of, as to how productive we all remained. And um, and we didn't just survive from a business perspective, but many industries were lucky enough to, to, to really thrive. And I think we learned a lot. We learned about connection. We learned about 
trying to get to know each other as humans, which is maybe ironic, but I do think we did that. I think we focused on empathy and one-to-one time and all of those sorts of things. We now arguably have a more thought-provoking and difficult phase ahead of us, which is this future of, 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 of hybrid working. And I think it's very important for many, many reasons. But firstly, we all want it. Very few of us want to go back into the office all the time. The executive lens that I'll get onto perhaps is a little bit different. Equally, very few of us want to be at home all of the time. And hence, I think to deliver, uh, you know, to, 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 to win the talent battles and to retain great people in the period of great resignation, all of those sorts of things, and to ensure that we're all engaged, the future is hybrid. And it's worth noting that hybrid, maybe hybrid's the wrong term, flexibility isn't just about where we work. So the Pulse surveys have identified that 76% of employees want flexibility as to where they work. No major surprise. It's a big number, no major surprise. Perhaps the biggest surprise is 93% want flexibility as to when they work. And therefore, this, the, the ability to deliver on some kind of asynchronous work where we're not all doing the work at exactly the same time is really important. Um, so important. In actual fact, those that feel like they've got it, if you feel like you already have empowerment to do work when it works for you, you are 3.2 times better. You're feeling 3.2 times better about your work-life balance and six and a half times better about stress. So it's really important. And that takes us back to your question, I think. There is a big divide between executives and non-executive workers. Most executives, thick end of 70% of them, want to get back to the office all or most of the time. Only less than half of us, in fact, 17% of non-execs agree that that's a great plan. And hence, there really is a very significant disconnect. Why? I think there's many reasons, and I'm not necessarily certain uh, I've got a strong handle on them all, but there is a there is a divergence in how different levels of an organisation are feeling about their jobs. Executives marked a, a um, or, or, or show a markedly higher job satisfaction level, 62% greater compared to non-executive employees. In actual fact, that that, that, that that divide is growing rather than shrinking. Great offices, perhaps being at the top of the organisation, they feel more part of the direction of that business and, and, and more vested and all those sorts of things. But there is a big disconnect or divergence in how people are feeling. Secondly, there's, I think, a confirmation bias because executives are working with each other on thinking through these future of work questions. 66% of executives are saying that, you know, in actual fact, the planning for the future of work and whether we're going to be office-based or not is happening at executive level. And hence, I don't think there's enough feedback and perhaps empathy for other parts of the organisation. I think the third and final thing is there's very, there's a great lack of transparency. We're in, I think, opaque, to be polite, decision-making. Um, executives feel that they're being transparent, nearly two-thirds of them, um, but less than half of employees agree. So there is a big disconnect right now, I think, between the executives and those at different levels within a business. 100% agree, and it's it's alarming what's come out of this and also kind of the dangers that we're seeing present as you say when people are able to kind of dictate their their working hours and they can kind of make those decisions for themselves they're automatically happier of course give people control and shock and behold people are enjoying what they're doing you know because they can set it on their times 
But the other side of the coin, as you're saying, is executives are making plans, but they're not including the employees when making these plans. And that's where we're kind of seeing this divide kind of growing further and further. And, you know, the subline of this whole report kind of encapsulates that, you know, the view of the office looks different from the top. And I think that's kind of the best subline you can kind of say to sum this up. So what does, what's the impact really of this growing disconnect between those executives, your 70%, and the employees that have on the working culture and the workplace as a whole? Maybe, maybe. It's a, a simple thing of team risk. Mm. Um, I mentioned it earlier that the great resignation is real and it's absolutely happening. You only have to read kind of um, investor reports as to how the um, the big recruitment organisations are doing to get a sense for just how vibrant that industry is right now. And um, again, a, a future forum um, finding is that over half of us, or 57% of us, I think, uh, report that they're open to looking for a new job in the next year. If you think, of maybe going back to that lens, if you don't mind, Max, of flexibility, those that aren't satisfied that they've got a de- whatever a decent level of flexibility is, I realise, is, is somewhat open to interpretation. For those that don't believe they're satisfied with their flexibility, the number of people considering moving on in the next year goes up to 71%. And that is ultimately something that I think we all need to take note of both where and when we work. And it's not the same for everybody. Perhaps most concerningly that the biggest delta between those numbers are those of underrepresented and historically marginalised groups. Um, I think 81% of black respondents said they're looking for flexibility as to where they work compared to 75% of white, uh, which is an interesting lens too that I think we could all benefit from thinking about. Mm-hmm, definitely. As you say, Everyone is different who works in an organization. This isn't something new that we've learned just from the pandemic. It's it's even when we were all in the office five days a week, you knew how different members of your team would work and you'd have to fact that into the training and everything you're doing. But obviously, since coming back, we obviously had it with my team as well, where you have to kind of balance the needs, health concerns of other people, um, how they work. Some people can work from home quite happily. Others can't. You know, there's there's so many balances that you have to kind of strike when, when when looking at these. And of um, course, you know, the, the the part of the you know where one is at in one's life. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the space that you've got, whether you've got um, um, young babies, for example, or loved ones that you're looking to care for, there are a huge number of kind of dynamics to think about. And I think different personality types do better yeah. in different scenarios. I went to the office on Tuesday and there was about 12 of us, all of whom I knew that had decided to spend the day together and I got a lot of value from it. But equally, I'm, I recognise that I get a lot of my energy from people. I yep. think others who are, who are more um, uh, introverted have probably been uber successful right now um, being flexible, flexible to when they work and where, uh, where and when they work. Because if they can work when nobody else is hassling them because they're working at slightly different times, I think their productivity is able to really go through the roof, actually. Yeah, definitely. You, you take a sales team, for example. The sales team works so much better when they can share wins and bounce off of each other, whereas, say, the department I run uh, is more creative and a lot of my guys, whether they're video editing or writing, do just want to kind of sit and get on with their work with little to no distractions. Absolutely. So there's so many balances and, and checks to kind of 
to take into account here. And I think it's important to say that we're not saying that executives or, or the top people just want everyone back. It's it's it is a case that they do, but they're also trying to balance a lot of balls in the air as they're trying to do this as well to try and get the best kind of outcome going forward. And when we were kind of looking at this and we were looking at the survey findings, it, it kind of came down to three areas that we we really pulled out of this. We're looking at kind of experience disparities, the confirmation bias, and a lack of genuine transparency are really driving that stark difference in opinions on the working five days a week in the office or working set hours. Which one of those three do you think plays the biggest role and why? Maybe transparency. Um, and I guess I guess it's worth noting, as, as, as I touched on, that there is a great disconnect there in opinion, where executives think they're being transparent, but but workers don't. Um, interestingly, eighty one percent of executives say that leadership's transparent around sharing new developments that affect the company. And again, the employees don't think that. And I think transparency has been important for a long time, but it's got even more important for a couple of reasons. First of all, why do many executives bias towards bringing everybody back? Firstly, I guess those kind of themes that we touched on earlier. But also, I think they're trying to drive a sense of connection and the, and the, and, and perhaps they feel like being in person is the only way of doing that. It's a very important way. I'm not suggesting it's not a very valuable way. But of course, technologies like ours have done a huge amount in that regard. And moving communication into channels, we're doing a lot with video right now, which also I think helps us become flexible as to when we work, because I can kick off a video with a three-minute clip saying, hey, Max, I think this, this, and this is really important right now. Mm -hmm. Put it in the right channel, and you can follow up with a clip either agreeing or politely disagreeing, and then other people can chime in, very important. And that type of thing drives transparency, to go back to your question. Another reason that I think transparency is so important is traditionally, in, in I don't know, 20 years ago, companies were built to be hierarchical, and they were almost built by design to be command and control. Decisions were made at the top, then they went to the next level, then they went to the next level, and then people got on and did stuff to deliver on those decisions. And that worked in a period of time where change was of a modest or a manageable speed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, mobile, social, cloud, all of those sorts of things have fundamentally changed the speed at which organisations need to deliver and iterate uh, over the last couple of decades. And hence, businesses now need to feel and act more like organisms, don't they? Where teams can be empowered to do their best work and they can come together and be cross-functional and da 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 But in order for those teams not to push and pull in different directions, they need to be aligned to a North Star. Um, and organisational agility really needs transparency. And that's why going back to your question about, you know, what 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 I think is is if I don't know if if whether you said most important or not, Max, I apologize if you didn't. I think transparency is arguably one of the most important things that we as leaders need to be thinking about right now. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent right. It it is which is the most important because experience disparity has existed for a while, as you said, confirmation bias. Transparency as well, as as you're pointing out there, it, it's always been a case. But it doesn't mean it should still stick around. It, it's something that, as we've been discussing, the, the the way work changes and how people are involved with the company and when they choose their hours 
it's so much more important for them to know when changes are coming so they can kind of plan for that within their workload kind of going forward um, as they kind of make those changes and, and develop from that perspective. And it's more important in a hybrid and remote work environment too, of course, because whilst I think we as employees crave transparency and and uh, alignment to a company mission, and we always have done, it's even more important to be very deliberate about those conversations now because if you're at home working in a vacuum, you feel even more disconnected than mm-hmm. you do if you're in an office working in less of a vacuum. And um, I do think it's it's an opportunity for companies to help people feel important and feel connected and mitigate the risk of that great resignation by driving a sense of transparency. I used to think about something, I, I used to read from time to time, have you heard, Max, of the Gallup 12? I have not, educate me. It's yeah, oh, very <laughs> unlikely. It's 12 questions that Gallup, Gallup did a bunch of work uh, or academia or whatever they did uh, a while ago and came up with 12 questions. The most, the more likely you are to answer yes to these questions, the more likely you are to be an engaged employee. And there are some interesting ones. I have a best friend at work. Actually, that wasn't the one I was going to talk about, but that is interesting in itself in a hybrid world. I think we really need to drive connection. And of course, I have a bias in that regard, bring people into channels, bring them into a a more of a social transparent way of working. But one of them is I've had positive feedback from my manager in the last seven days. One of them, which was the one I was going to mention, is the mission or purpose of my company makes makes me feel like my job is important. So we've been talking about this, I I think the Gallup 12 came out decades ago. We've been talking about this for a while, and yet uh, less than half of workers feel that their organisation is being transparent around um, the future of work at their organisation. And it's a real kind of stark reality check as to how little progress some businesses are making at helping us feel engaged. Very true. And uh, as you say, it is alarming. And I'm going to check out those 12 questions afterwards and see where I'm sitting at. So <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll do the same. Exactly. So it's it's all very interesting kind of how it's difficult to kind of predict what's what's going to happen because we couldn't have predicted how the past 18 months have gone. As you say, we've been very fortunate that we have seen upticks and, and everything going forward for a lot of organizations, especially. Um, and before I ask my last question, actually, I'm kind of curious, from your perspective at Slack and how Slack managed this, you guys kind of did become a lifeline for a lot of organizations in terms of how they communicate, how they, you know, non-biased at all to our listeners, but it's what we use here at EM360 to keep production kind of moving along and keep everyone kind of talking. So how shocking was it for you guys to kind of be thrown into that deep end almost and be relied upon like that? It's a great question. And, and of course, I wish I could remember the numbers that, that happened in March last year, but it was you know, millions of concurrent usage, um, millions of, of users that we had never seen before. I think, to be honest, we've always felt a great sense of responsibility around delivering a great service to our customers and delivering customer success. And one of our values has, has, is, and has always been craftsmanship. I don't think we were behind the curve in, in, in that feeling of responsibility, actually. I think we felt very grateful 
But of course, you know, recognising the global pandemic, I'm not suggesting for a minute we were rubbing our hands with glee or me far from it. But I think we felt very fortunate that we were in a position where we could help people. And we felt very fortunate that we were in a position where our customers needed us even more than they did before. Um, we were very lucky. But equally, you know, over 40% of the FTSE 100 were paying Slack customers before the pandemic. So I think it just made, I think we had a, delivered on a problem that companies had before the pandemic that has only become a greater problem in this new way of working, Max. Yeah, yeah, very true. No, it's just uh, kind of curious as people who were kind of thrown into the mix as it was kind of happening. Yeah, and I'm very lucky that I'm a customer-facing, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm responsible for, a, broadly speaking, a customer-facing unit at Slack. Yeah. I think those that are responsible for keeping the service up and keeping it scaling, and, and I realise that the cloud model does a lot of that for us, but you know, I have a lot of thanks for them for delivering a really robust service on behalf of of, of our UK and European customers in that time. Um, I, I dare say they were feeling probably slightly more angst than um, than I was. <laughs> we'll bring them on next time. I'll grill them and see how they were feeling. Give them some love. Exactly. Um, okay, so to round up, then obviously we've been talking about how. Um, the view from the office has changed, uh, executive and employee disparity, when you have uh, people of different gender and different race and how that's kind of affected people. I'm not asking for a silver bullet cure rule for us here, Stuart, but I'm curious, how can organizations really bridge the gap that we've been talking about between executives and employees, win that war for talent and kind of achieve successful diversity, equity and inclusion? Yeah, it's a really and and I wonder if diversity, equity, and inclusion can also, or I think it should. How do we include regions in there? Mm-hmm. I know that not every country is the same as the UK. Germany has you know really vibrant hubs, as does the UK. I'm not suggesting that we don't, but a significant proportion of of of, of UK's GDP is in the southeast, and of course, great set, great places all over the, uh, all over the UK. But we've got an opportunity now, I think, to level it, to 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 create greater social mobility as well. Um, but I think to summarise, embrace flexibility in where and when we work. And I realise we need some consistency as to when we work. Otherwise, decisions can't be made within a day necessarily. Um, but I think there are real opportunities to take sessions or to take calendar time out of meetings and trying to schedule things and do things asynchronously which for us means not at the same time going back to that kind of video clip scenario that i mentioned earlier and those with location flexibility feel more than twice as good about their work-life balance and more than twice as good about work-related stress those with schedule flexibility as i mentioned earlier feel three times better about their work-life balance six times better about their work-related stress and i think businesses really now need to a huge amount a huge amount of um what's the word i'm looking for ground has been covered in terms of digitizing both consumer facing services and internal workplaces and now is the time in my opinion to not slow down uh, imagine imagine if the pandemic had come 20 years ago uh, I don't know if 20 is the right number, 10, 15, 30. We really couldn't have survived. And I think we're very proud of, of what we're offering customers of this kind of digital HQ and digital first workplace. And I think there's a lot that can be done to help drive that connection, to drive transparency, to take the friction out of work um, so that companies can be productive. I'd add one thing that I think as leaders, we should 
changed the way that we think about productivity, which is not hours based, but business outcome based. Be really clear about the North Star, about the North Star or where we're trying to get to as a team or a business. Make sure teams are aligned. Be clear. We, we, we say it's like clarity is kindness. Be clear about what you want to do by a certain time or a certain date and empower the teams to do it. And it's not about the hours that you're working. It's about delivering on those organizational objectives, I guess. 100% agree. I'd much rather have my team get stuff done within four hours than sit there twiddling their thumbs for an additional four hours. You know, it, it just makes sense. Have the outcomes clearly outlined and make sure everyone's on the same page and they're, and they're capable of achieving those goals and that they're passionate about achieving them as well. So I think that's super important. And as you say, we've got a long way to go in terms of this being accepted, this becoming normalized, and this becoming fruitful for the vast majority of organizations. And we've got a fresh year ahead of us. And I think if we just keep plugging away, then we uh, should eventually get there. Fingers crossed. Stuart, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for coming on and walking us through the findings and uh, giving your thoughts on this subject. It's been great. Thank you very much indeed, Max. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Very welcome. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. We do hope you took a lot away. Whether you're an executive or an employee, I think there's a lot of things that need to be looked at from both sides of the coin here. We will be including a report in the description down below so you can have a full read. And I highly recommend you do because there's a lot of fantastic information that can benefit the whole organization from really taking those lessons forward. We'll, of course, be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, you can join the conversation at Ian360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. If you are looking for more information outside of the survey of what we spoke about today, then head on over to Slack.com. They've got some fantastic resources on there, and a member of the team will be able to help you if you have any further information. But apart from that, that's all for this week's episode. Thank you once again for joining us. Thank you to Stuart. And if you're looking for great daily content, then head on over to Ian360Tech.com. <laughs>